Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome. We're going to go ahead and uh, get started uh, with this session. Um, This session is about fetishes and shameful secrets. Um, Wonderful uh, topic. Um, I can actually uh, remember the last time that uh, this... uh, um, other conventions where this uh, topic was at, and it wasn't a recorded session. It was kind of um, a small uh, group of people over, uh, you know, in a side, um, you know, a super secret uh, location. And more and more time, uh, it, it's become uh, more and more open. This is a recorded uh, cell sh- session. Um, uh, 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 my name is Mark. I am a recovering sexaholic, and. I'm going to be facilitating this session. Also, uh, I'm joined by Natalie, uh, who's going to be uh, um, also sharing with us. Each of us will share our recovery on this topic. Then when we uh, take time to answer our questions, questions will be taken from the Ask It basket. If you wish to participate, uh, write your questions on uh, the three-by-five cards. We actually have the cards over here on the right-hand side. We even have chairs and a table uh, where, where you can conveniently uh, uh, write them at any time. We'll, we'll go ahead and collect those uh, questions, and then we'll uh, go through the questions towards the end. Um, we ask that you uh, please silence all of your cell phones. All right. Um, let's go ahead and open uh, with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Um, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary our purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Um, there, There is uh, a member that I had who... Um, found these particular meetings where, where they talked about uh, fetishes um, as being the most sacred and most uh, special uh, meetings at the SA uh, convention, at least for himself. And um, when I heard uh, his uh, share, I, you know, I, I, I had to admit that, uh, you know, they, they were pretty special and, and sacred uh, for me as well. Um, and, and so I really do want to honor um, how uh, sacred and special uh, that this type of a meeting is. It's an opportunity uh, for some people um, especially in newcomers that are coming in that are overwhelmed by, by shame, that are overwhelmed uh, that they think that they are the only people on the face of the earth that uh, think uh, the uh, type of things that they think and do the uh, type of things that they, uh, they've done. They think that they are completely and utterly alone. 
And if you don't hear stories uh, like uh, what you're going to hear uh, from myself and, and from Natalie, how do you possibly know uh, that you're not alone? Um, well, what becomes the reality if you're uh, in rooms long enough is that you find out uh, that these are very common, uh, that, uh, that these uh, fetishes, these uh, thoughts, um, these are the places that our lust has uh, taken us uh, to. And, um, and so, um, uh, you know, it's not such a, a scary thing, but still, uh, they, they uh, persist. Um, and, uh, the, um, and we think that we're crazy and we think that those, uh, those lustful thoughts are forever going to be there. Um, part, part of my story is uh, to be able to share, uh, with, uh, with people that there is hope, uh, that, uh, that there is a way to recover, uh, even from, uh, persistent, uh, shameful secrets and, uh, from, um, uh, from, uh, fetishes. And I, I don't know about uh, you, uh, Natalie, but I, I can, uh, say for myself, that I never expected to tell a single uh, soul some of the things that I'm going to uh, say to you guys uh, today. And, and uh, we're not going to turn this into a contest. We don't have to, uh, afterwards, uh, you, you tell me, well, I've got even worse stories, because I know that you guys uh, can beat me, okay? It's not a contest um, uh, type of thing, but it's enough of my story so that you know uh, that you're not alone. And that's why I call this sacred ground, this is why this uh, this is a special uh, meeting. This is why uh, it's an opportunity because you got to um, know that you're not not alone. It's the first step in recovery from from shame. Okay, so do, do you agree? Did, did you ever expect that you were going to uh, be you know, in a, a room uh, sharing all, all the? Uh, okay, all right. So uh, it, it wasn't part of her plan to uh, to do the, this kind of thing, but but we do this um, out of a loving uh, care and, and service uh, for for others. So that's why why we uh, do this. Um, Let me uh, share. Uh, share. Basically, there are two broad categories of uh, fetishes that have uh, given me um, in trouble, and, and I can break them down into all kinds of uh, different um, uh, subtopics. And um, I don't have much time to talk about uh, where I was at and and uh, and that story. But the first broad category of uh, what led me uh, to these rooms uh, was um, fetishes that involved BDSM. Uh, things that uh, involved uh, me uh, being completely um, submissive uh, to to another uh, person. As a matter of fact, my first earliest uh, sexual memory, um, uh, I was somewhere between the ages of six and eight, and I was um, naked in my uh, bedroom, and I had tied my uh, feet and my hands uh, with uh, with belts as best as I, I, I could. And that's my first sexual uh, memory. Um, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, bizarre, but I, that's what I imagined sex w- was all about. Um, you know, possibly I, I, uh, I have no idea where I came up with those ideas and those notions that that's what, uh, sex involved, but those were my first, uh, memories. Possibly I was uh, sexually abused. I have no memories of, of that occurring. So if it occurred, I, um, it occurred, uh, you know, uh, before I, I have had, uh, ongoing conscious uh, memories and, and such. Uh, but I certainly know that I was a sexual abuser to myself because I kept on uh, acting out uh, those type of things and, and uh, being more and more uh, violent and, and sexually abusive uh, to, to myself uh, over time. This is well long before, you know, uh, turning uh, age 18 um, and such. Sex became, uh, for me, the most fearful need that I had. It was a compulsion. It is something that I ha- had to do. Um, uh, 
But uh, the reason why I had to do it is I had to somehow um, gain victory uh, over it. I knew that uh, someday I would need to, I would get married and I would uh, engage in uh, sexual activity uh, uh, with my uh, wife and I had to somehow uh, be able to be comfortable uh, uh, with all these uh, really um, uncomfortable feelings that I had about my body, about uh, me uh, being sexual um, and, and sex itself. There was nothing healthy about my um, uh, thoughts or, or attitudes uh, toward, uh, toward sex. Sex was just uh, something that I had to uh, participate in. It was part of uh, growing up. It was part of, part of an adult, and it involved uh, violence. It involved me not having any consent. It involved uh, me, um, you know, not, um, you know, not uh, caring uh, about my um, my needs. It all being ab- about uh, the other person's uh, need. Uh, this included uh, uh, self harm behaviors, including um, great uh, harm, uh, uh, physical harm uh, to my own uh, genitals. Um, it uh, to the point where you know it was difficult and painful to to walk, um, you know, throughout the the day. Um, these were not uh, great um, and uh, wonderful, uh, amazing, happy, healthy uh, thoughts that that I had. They were they were very dark. They were uh, very uh, pain uh, filled um, uh, thoughts. The other uh, general uh, category that the fetishes um, always involved uh, were gender identity. Uh, there's the whole um, old um, saying uh, that the, uh, was broadcast a lot when I was a kid, you know, about uh, girls are uh, full of sh- uh, sugar and spice and everything nice, and that uh, boys uh, were snips and uh, snails and puppy uh, dog tails. Um, and uh, I, I internalized that, that girls, women... They, uh, they were, they were great. They were fabulous. They were, they were all automatically on higher pedestals than myself. But anything, uh, associated with, uh, being a guy, uh, being, uh, male, um, I, I always found, uh, the negative things. And I certainly had plenty of, um, you know, uh, things in, in media that reinforced it. But, but it was the filter. It was the lens in which I, I viewed the whole uh, world. Is that um, uh, women uh, were amazing and fantastic? They, they were great, but uh, men uh, weren't. Um, and it, frankly, even uh, today, if you uh, look at uh, sitcoms, um, you know, uh, of a family, you know, you've got your uh, husband, uh, father, who's the bumbling, um, you know, um, uh, idiot, uh, you know, who's messing up all, all the time, and, and you've got uh, the wife that uh, keeps everything uh, together and uh, and fixes uh, everything and knows how to uh, take care of the, the kids and take uh, take care of uh, all the matters. Um, you know, it's a, a trope uh, that, that's out there, and I very much internalized that and uh, and uh, used it um, to shame myself uh, over and over again. Um, I have uh, had many talks where where I talk about uh, my addiction uh, to shame. Um, just like uh, Roy talks about in the white book, uh, where he had an addiction uh, to um, resentments, um, I had an addiction uh, to sh- uh, shame. And I internalized uh, that, and I had to keep on uh, medicating, and I had to uh, keep on um, acting out uh, on that shame uh, continually. And um, and the fact that uh, there was a sexual sh- a shame that went with it, it just made it uh, that, that much more compulsive and, and unnecessary. Um, so I was acting out both in lust as well as uh, shame it. All at the same time. All right. So that's the uh, what life was like for uh, for me. What is life like now? Well, I have done a significant uh, amount of uh, work over time uh, in regards to, to shame. Um, 
As a matter of fact, uh, you can hear lots of talks. If you go to uh, the Daily Reprieve, uh, by the way, it's a podcast. In any place that you can get podcasts and you look for the Daily Reprieve uh, as a podcast, you will find nothing but uh, essay um, speaker meetings, um, you know, regional conventions, um, international conventions. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of the, the talks from uh, this uh, international convention will, will show up on the Daily uh, Podcast over the next um, uh, few, few months. Um, go, go there. Do the uh, search in the podcast for for the word shame. Uh, you'll find me at least seventy five percent of the time. You know, in in your search uh, there, and you'll you'll find out a talks. And it, and that's important um, if you resonate uh, with uh, with my message. And I've discovered that there's only about a third uh, of the members um, uh, that really resonate with this uh, story. Um, but if you resonate with this and you're trying to figure out why you are you know, um, so prone uh, to shame, go, go spend, uh, some hours and, uh, some fun uh, time with the, those, uh, shame talks and, and see if you can uh, find some, um, useful, uh, health, uh, there. Um, I've had one major victory in, in just last a uh, couple of uh, weeks. Um, when, when about 12 years ago, when I first uh, came into recovery, um, in uh, Nashville, I used to be a, a therapist and um, I hung up uh, being a therapist when um, more and more of my clients uh, were coming in and uh, were addicted uh, to uh, pornography, and they were uh, desperately seeking help, and I was ragingly uh, acting out on my own uh, uh, sexual ab- um, uh, addiction. And so, you know, I really couldn't uh, help them. And so I stopped, and I, I told myself, you know, I don't know uh, when or how I'll ever uh, get back uh uh, there. Two weeks ago, I, I signed the contract uh, where I am back uh, being a part-time uh, therapist uh, once again at the exact same organization that, that I left uh, 12 years ago. And that is an amazing victory. I never, ever thought that that was going to be possible. Probably what's most uh, critical and most important um, is that I uh, have a greater love and trust in God than I've ever had uh, before in my life. And that is an ongoing journey. I still have uh, my problems uh, w- with God. We still uh, struggle and we still have uh, problems at, at, at times, but um, it's getting better. And, and I, I hope that you know one day, 10, 12 years, I can uh, tell you how amazing and fantastic that relationship is. I want you to believe in it, um, uh, that I have an incredibly amazing, uh, fantastic relationship uh, with my higher power right now, but uh, it's a work in, in progress and it's uh, getting better. Um, and it, it's it's all about um, not having that, that shame sitting there um, in front of me, thinking that I'm such a horrible uh, human being uh, to to exist on uh, on this planet. Um, let's see. Uh, I have learned how to not uh, uh, to stop uh, being someone that I'm not. I have uh, spent so much uh, time trying to um, be what I think other people think um, I should be um, and do uh, uh, what what other people think I, I should do. Um, when I, uh, most recently, uh, was really, uh, struggling with the, uh, gender identity and, um, it, it flared up, uh, about a year and a half ago and, and was, uh, really bad. Um, and I, I remember going in into my wife and, and I said, what am I going to do? 
And, and she, she uh, pointed out, Mark, you look uh, at the whole world in such black and white uh, terms. Uh, everything is uh, labeled as male or female in, in your head. Um, you know, and, and if it's a female, it's okay and it's good and it's great. If it's male, it's not okay. It's not acceptable. Uh, it's not, not good. So I've learned to uh, just drop those labels and, and instead uh, go and uh, do the things that I enjoy, uh, that, you know, make me happy. Um, I hate, uh, uh going into a, a men's, um, store and seeing, uh, the rows and rows of black and brown and, and, and such. I am not an unhappy a creature. I love color. I love uh, the, the joy and vibrancy of life. So I purposely, you know, um, you know, a worn uh, orange uh, pants and uh, you know a purple uh, shirt. These are not your your typical um, male uh, colors and such. But I enjoy them um, and, and I love them. And, and it's a celebration of you know enjoying what what I enjoy and not having it labeled as either male or or, or female. Um, you know, I, I can go in, uh, for example, um, and uh, I'll go with my uh, wife and enjoy uh, getting a pedicure, which is, uh, by the way, uh, a secret uh, that, you know, uh, guys don't know about it at all. Um, you know, <laughs> it is an amazing, wonderful experience uh, where, where you uh, get your, your feet uh, massaged. I don't have to worry about uh, uh, trimming uh, my nails, you know, and, and dealing with uh, all that uh, stuff. You know, I, I get to pay someone else uh, to do that. It's an amazing, uh, wonderful experience. But I would never have uh, done that. Because that is not allowed. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I swore that there was this big, huge, uh, no males ever shall open, uh, uh, this door and walk in. Um, and, uh, uh the place that, that we go to on a regular basis, uh, the, uh, uh first person that, that I saw was a, uh, male who was, uh, uh, who worked there and, uh, um, actually uh, did my nails. And so, you know, I, uh, it, it was kind of uh, my higher power saying, you know, it's okay, you know, you uh, you can go and and do it. So I am uh, I can live in my skin. I can find a joy. I can find a peace and and uh, happiness in uh, in what I do. All right, solutions. Um, here here are some solutions. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the number one thing that helped uh, me is uh, surrendering. Um, I surrender uh, to my higher power. My higher power has never uh, led me astray. I keep on uh, going and doing the things that uh, he asked me to do. I do have one or two things he's asked me to, to go off and do that I'm not quite ready um, to do. And I at least uh, pray to him and uh, let him know I'm not ready. Please uh, help me to, to get there and, and get ready um, you know, to, to do the things that you're asking me to uh, do. Um, and he's patient with me. He's kind uh, with me. These are things that he, you know, he's been nudging me uh, towards for, for a while. But those things that I have uh, went ahead and surrendered, they have been of tremendous help. Um, you know, your higher uh, power uh, is out there to, to actually help you. And uh, and if you don't uh, believe that, which I didn't believe early on in uh, recovery, um, it is time to go off and get a new higher power. Um, right now, uh, the biggest uh, thing that is uh, helping me is understanding uh, what healthy sexuality uh, means. Um, and, uh, I, I'm grateful. I, I've got circled on, on, on the calendar, uh, tomorrow, uh, afternoon. There's a healthy sexuality, uh, breakout group. Can't wait to, to go to that. I am doing tons of, uh, reading and research on what healthy sexuality actually looks like because obviously I had no clue and no idea what healthy sexuality, uh, was about. Um, and, and I have learned that healthy sexuality, um, includes being vulnerable. Um, allowing uh, people to to come in 
I've had huge barriers and and walls uh, in the past. I've learned uh, that it uh, is about communicating. I've learned that it's about asking for consent. Um, we uh, actually a part of the, the practice between uh, my wife and I is, uh, you know, as we, uh, you know, at the beginning, you know, do you want to make love? Um, and as as we're going throughout um, uh, things, you know, is it all right uh, for me to touch your breasts? Is it all right for us to, uh, to do this? It actually acts asking consent. That felt really weird and felt really awkward, um, you know, in, in the beginning. Uh, but I've learned that uh, by by actually doing that and actually asking uh, consent uh, each time, I am uh, putting uh, putting myself out there and being vulnerable and hearing her yes uh, each time. You know, uh, reinforces, hey, I am a good person. I'm not asking for a bad thing. You know, to uh, make love, to to touch her her breasts or something like that. But so ingrained in my uh, thinking, in my brain was if I had those uh, desires, I, I was a horrible person for uh, for. You know, having those, those desires, letting go of fear, um, and um, have, uh, making uh, the sexual experience a fluid experience without expectations. It doesn't have to uh, go a certain way. It doesn't have to be a certain uh, script. Um, it, it's organic. It is what it is. If, if things are a little bit uh, awkward, um, you know, one night, that's that's the way it is. You know. Um, you know, not everything has to be controlled and fixed. And, uh, and I've found that, uh, with myself, I, I so controlled the, the act and it had to go a certain way. And it ha- I was so uh, rigid and, it, and I'm, I allow it to be more organic and, and, it, um, and to, uh, just occur. I found a whole lot, uh, greater peace in my life. I found a whole lot, um, uh, greater joy in just simple things. You know, the, um, I, we used to live here in Nashville, and it's been uh, it's been a while since I've uh, been down here. I was here two years ago, but um, my wife and I, you know, were walking around uh, last night um, and joining uh, after dinner, and just the air um, and and the smell and the the grass and the the trees, you know, the things that we're we're used to in uh, in Nashville, you know, just feeling all those same feelings, you know, I enjoy, that's what I enjoy uh, about life. That would have never been possible, you know, when I was acting out and everything had to go, you know, a certain way uh, according to my expectations. All right. Um, and then uh, probably the, the last uh, solution is work your fourth step, work your fourth step, work your fourth step. Um, there, uh, there is lots that I have learned from uh, uh, doing it over and over again. Um, you know, I, I, I'm constantly growing it as a human being and um, I learn more and more uh, things in my uh, fourth step. Um, and, um, that, that I, they were hidden uh, to me before and, and now, uh, they're, they're coming, uh, more apparent uh, to me, um, as I understand, um, uh, more and more, uh, about uh, recovery and, uh, and about what it means to, to be a human being. And with that, I think I will go ahead and pass the time on to Natalie. Oh, there, there's... Again, a uh, reminder of the, the questions are over here. You know, go ahead and fill, fill out uh, questions. Uh, as soon as she's done, we'll, we'll start answering them. Hmm? Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, y'all. I'm Natalie, and I'm a sexaholic. Um, man, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to hear Mark speak. I've actually heard you speak in the past, but never about this particular part of your story. So that was a real, um, that was a real gift. You know, I was in a meeting a couple of days ago and, um, 
one of our meetings. And the word fetish was actually used a couple of different times in that meeting. And I was so grateful. I even shared about that. I was like, gosh, I'm so glad to actually hear the word fetish, sexual fetish, because I know for me, um, I can talk a lot around it and it, you know, actually giving something a name is very powerful for me and it actually removes the power and um, the shameful power from whatever it is that, you know, I'm, I, I have shame about. Um, and so I was real grateful for that. I remember I was thinking back on about the first time that I sat in the therapist's office and said, I struggle with a sexual fetish and here it is. And, um, this amazing therapist just sat there. He just nodded his head and he said, okay, that was it. You know, I was expecting him to say, okay, well, let's, you know, we're, we're signing you up. You're going to have to, you know, three months at least minimum, you're going to have to, you're committed, you know? And, and that wasn't his reaction. He just sat there and he shook his head and he said, okay. And I remember, I mean, gosh, this was over 10 years ago. And I just remember this feeling of, just relief that washed over me. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe there's hope here. You know, maybe if, if, maybe if I get this reaction from this one person, maybe there's something about, um, my story. Maybe there's, maybe there's a piece of this that I've been telling myself that's untrue. You know, maybe there's, maybe there's hope for me. Um, when I first got into the program, which was, three and a half, four years ago, something like that. I was um, house-sitting for some friends, and this particular part of my story, um, up to that point especially, had always been the most shameful part of my story. And I was looking online at some of the past recorded conventions, and I, (laughs) to my surprise, found a workshop, a breakout much like this, entitled Fetishes and Shameful Secrets. And... I listened to it, and not only was I able to hear um, about different people's struggles, but I remember I was able to hear about a woman. One of the one of the people on the panel was a woman, and and that was a surprise to me because not only did I feel like I was the only pe- person in the world who had these thoughts, I thought surely to God I'm the only female who who has these thoughts, you know. <laughs> Uh, and that wasn't true. So again, that was that, it was a, it was another experience of just having some of that shame reduction. My shame just lifted. Um, you know, for me, gosh, my sex addiction started at a really, really young age. Like I'm sure much of, you know, many of us in this room would say, um, in my family, it was a, I'm the oldest of four, and so all of the things that, you know, you might expect come with that, perfectionism, uh, that's very true for me. And in my family of origin, it was, and not for any sort of religious purpose, but it was uh, a known fact that women did not cut their hair. My dad did not like it, and he let us know that he didn't like it, and that was just the rule. And, um, you know, for me, my sex addiction really started on the inside. Uh, um, my, my motto from a really young age was, let's look as good as we can on the outside. Let's be good. And then on the inside, that's really where my rebellion started. And so there was this one particular moment where um, 
my mom, actually, when I was really little, I think I was about six or seven years old, took me out uh, as a way to get back at my dad. They were having a fight. She took me outside and she cut my hair. And my dad, of course, was livid. And I remember in that moment as a six-year-old feeling just this rush of, of like power and rebellion and what I did not know at the time was that, so that was my first sexual memory. Um, you know, I also have, this is actually, this is a, a pertinent, I feel like part of this story. I have OCD. Um, and so my, uh, the, the, there is, um, there is an obsession f- for me and certainly at this age about doing it right. You know, I just had to do things right in order to be okay. And so, um, you know, after this particular event, especially I started fantasizing about women cutting their hair because in my mind, I thought, well, this is okay. Like this is not quote unquote sinful. This is not a sinful thought. It's, it's okay for me to, to think about these things and to fantasize about these things. Um, and I never told, I never told anyone about it. It was my, it was my secret. So I could still practice, you know, to the best of my ability, looking good on the outside, being good on the outside, but having this internal, um, secret mustache, you know, that no one ever knew about. And, um, that continued as the disease does tend to do. It progressed and, um, the internet really became a thing when I was in like a junior, senior in high school. Um, and then certainly in college. And I discovered that I could, th- that I was not alone, that there were, um, ways to, you know, I mean, it was kind of like my own version of my porn. You know what I mean? I mean, this is what porn looked like for me. Um, maybe not what a lot of people would consider traditional porn, but that, that's what it looked like for me. And when I found out that, when I found out that this was available online and that I could engage in these fantasies really anytime I wanted visually, that took me to a whole different level. Um, that is really when the obsession and the compulsion, um, compulsive masturbation and those sorts of things really took a new turn for me. Um, you know, the interesting thing, and I'm, I feel like I've heard this in a lot of meetings. I know I'm not the only one. I was, I was in therapy. I was doing good work in therapy. Actually, I was doing good work in therapy. Um, I had a relationship with a higher power that was meaningful to me at the time. And I, you know, I could not pray this thing away. I could not therapize it away. There was nothing that I could do. And so when I moved to Nashville, I, w- I was meeting with a new therapist I had for several years, and you know she knew about this this fetish of mine. And finally, one day, she looked at me and she said, "You know what? I, th- I think you're a sex addict." And I, well, I actually used some choice words. And bas- no kidding, gosh, no kidding. Thanks for that piece of information. And she told me <laughs> she suggested that I go to an SA meeting. And I again used some other choice words and told her no, thank you. And um, three days later, I found myself in my first SA meeting. And I remember, I remember when they read the problem, and I thought, finally, like. Finally, somebody got my mail and now somebody's reading it. Finally. And yet again, it was, it was another wave of shame reduction. I learned in a different way, in a healthy way that I was actually not alone. 
um, you know, the power of connection in this fellowship and in this program, regardless of what brought us here. I mean, however bizarre I might think my own story is, you might think your own story is, I might think your story, I mean, it doesn't matter. It, it does not matter. This is an addiction to lust, and there is power in the connections in these rooms um, that for me has just greatly reduced my shame. Um, you know, when I think about... Gosh, when I think about what life is like for me today, I don't know where to start. I mean, first of all, I'm standing up here in front of a room full of however many of you telling this story. I mean, that that blows my mind. And you know what? I feel okay about it. That also blows my mind. That it is still baffling to me. And what a gift. To, to be able to look out in front of a room full of people and know that, gosh, you too, me too, you too, me too, you too, me too. There's there's power in that for me, and it is um, just a really humbling a humbling gift. You know, <laughs> I didn't think about bringing this up until a little bit ago when I was listening to Mark speak, but dating in recovery also something I don't hear a lot about. Um, I am dating in recovery. So what does healthy sexuality look like for me as someone who is single, um, who struggles with a sexual fetish dating in recovery? Well, that's a great question. And I'm still trying to figure it out, uh, you know, with the help of my sponsor and the help of other people in the program. Um, it's a tricky thing to navigate and it can be done. It can be done. Um, I think for me, you know, it's funny, my sponsor, <laughs> the other day I was, I was asking her about dating and I said, gosh, do you think, am I just at least in the arena? Like I'm in, am I in the dating arena? And she said, you're in the arena, but you're in the nosebleeds. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. You know? And so it, for me, dating right now doesn't mean going on a bunch of dates. Healthy sexuality doesn't mean me practicing by going on a bunch of dates. It does for some people. I have friends in the program that that's their story. And I think that's great. What dating looks like for me right now is practicing healthy connection in general. Um, I'm getting some practice, but it's just not practice. I'm not practicing by going on a ton of dates. Um, I'm practicing by learning what it means to, um, like Mark said, to be vulnerable, to show up. There's a quote by a person that I like that I won't say because it's not a safe proof, but she says, don't puff up, don't shrink, just stay in your sacred ground. And that has become a mantra for me to, to, to not walk into a room with a bunch of arrogance or thinking that, you know, I have to prove myself. Um, but also not walking into a room being really small and with no voice, practicing just standing my sacred ground and, um, using my voice to the best of my ability. That is one thing that this, this program is continuing to show me how to do, um, for me, that's, that is me practicing healthy sexuality, actually. Learning how, learning, first of all, that I have a voice, that I get to use it, um, that it's worthy of being heard, that other people have voices that are worthy of me hearing, you know, the power of just listening. Um, that's practice, for me, that is, that is a part of me practicing healthy sexuality in this particular part of my journey. Um, you know, before, um, 
before recovery and even some today, I mean, you know, I have not arrived. This is not Nirvana. Um, I had a real fear. I, I have a tendency to have a real fear about fear. I have a fear of, of just being swallowed up. Like, um, it's not even necessarily what I'm afraid of, but just that the fear itself is going to envelop me and bury me alive. Um, that's another gift that, you know, a gift of this program. I don't fear that as I don't fear the fear as much as I used to. I don't have a fear of, um, my world ending and dying, you know, that if I'm vulnerable, if I'm honest, um, that, that, you know, people will leave and my world will end as I know it. Um, that's so much, that's not my story today. It's my story on some days, but it's not my story today. Um, you know, another thing that's different for me that I was thinking about earlier when I'm in a space and gosh, we all have those days actually had one today. Not, not an awesome day if I'm being real honest until I got here, actually not an awesome day, but the power to turn those things around quickly, um, realizing that I have tools, I have people that I can call. I've got meetings I can go to. I have a convention here in the city that I live in. I get to go to for two whole days to be with people who speak my language to connect and, and using those tools helps me to have a quicker turnaround when, you know, when, when the days aren't awesome, when my attitude is terrible or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, my greatest, my greatest, um, the greatest gift for me in this program is, is freedom. I didn't realize how not free I was until I started to experience freedom slowly over time. And um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would not trade, you know, there's on more days than not, not every day, but on more days than not, my soul is at rest. I mean, my soul is at rest. I, I, that brings tears to my eyes to even say that because it's true. I have peace today. I have peace that um, is not dependent upon my circumstance. You know? That is such a gift. That is such a gift. Man, I did not know what I was missing I'm so glad that I had a therapist who was brave enough to look at me and say, hey, I think you're a sex addict, and I think you need to go to SA. I'm so grateful. I make up that that was a brave thing for that therapist to say. Maybe not. I make up that it was brave, because it sure as hell felt brave to come to that meeting for the first time, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful. Sometimes I wonder why it took me so many years before I got to my first meeting. And I don't know the answer to that. I just know that I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready until I was ready. And um, these 12 steps, man, it ain't no joke, as I'm sure all of you know. They're hard. They're so hard, but it's a different kind of hard when I'm working towards something in a community of people that I know is ultimately going to. It's the best shot I had at giving myself hope. It was the best shot I had. You know, I didn't know anything about 12 steps when I got into the program. I, I, um, I remember telling, well, I did not tell my sponsor, but I told myself, you know, my sponsor, 
is about to experience the best sponsee she's ever had. Like, I'm going to do these 12 steps, and I'm doing perfectly, you know? Um, after, well, <laughs> that did not work out. That did not work out at all, actually. For six months, that did not work out. And she was very patient with me, and I lost my sobriety a few times. Um, and then finally, she set me across, she's sitting across from me at a table, and she said, you understand that this is not about sobriety, right? That this is about recovery. She said, you know, we get sober so that we have an opportunity to ultimately recover. I had no idea what she was talking about at the time, but I have, but I understand today sobriety, this, gosh, y'all might want to edit this out of the sobriety is for me is the key into recovery. Sobriety alone without recovery for me is not enough. This is too hard. It's too hard. If at the end of the day, all I get out of this deal, talking about a sexual fetish in front of, I mean, if all I get out of the deal is sobriety, I'm out. It's not enough. But what I am learning is that with these 12 steps, I have a shot at getting and staying sober, which gives me a shot at recovery and, and hope and freedom. And I've experienced that in a way that I never knew possible. And for that, I am, gosh, never sufficiently grateful. Thank you. Okay. Do we have any questions? Now, now it's time to, to go ahead and uh, bring them up. Um, let's see. I, I have one question uh, here. Um, and uh, primarily the, the question is a uh, question where I'm sure we've all uh, questioned this and thought this at least once in, in our lives. And the question is, when is this weird obsession going to stop? Uh, you know, what is going to um, make it a uh, stop, you know, tell, tell me what, what it is. Um, and I can't tell you when, um, and I can't tell you, um, uh, you know, that the moment that, that it's going to occur, but I can tell you the how, and the how is all about, uh, the, uh, program, uh, that's been laid before us. And as I have, uh, uh, if I'm going to summarize and I'm going to uh, boil down the whole program uh, really quickly, it's about surrender. Okay? These obsessions have power over you. Okay? Um, in one way or, or form uh, or another. And uh, they are the big, bad, uh, incredibly large gorilla. And he is humongous, and he is powerful, and he will take you down in, in one uh, quick swipe. Okay? You do not have the power to go up against uh, this obsession, uh, the, uh, this uh, fetish, and make it disappear. I tried um, um, all kinds of uh, tens of thousands of dollars. I, 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 won't, I won't get in, into all the list of things that I, I did to try and make this obsession go away. Those were all my powers. That was all my attempts to, to make it uh, go away. What I had to do is I had to come uh, to meetings. I had to hear the stories of, of other people that had recovered. I found a guy uh, that had uh, recovered, and I'm like, I want what he want, uh, what he's got, and I want to, uh, I want to be able to uh, um, uh, have the same type of happiness and uh, joy and freedom that I, I see in him. And I want to know how to get there. 
because I don't know how to, how to do it uh, myself. And so he started telling me what to do. I followed those things, which is surrender. Um, and, and I started uh, working, working the steps. And I worked the steps very imperfectly. Um, uh, fortunately, you, you have opportunities to work the steps over and over again. And you can work them more and more perfectly over time, if necessary. Um, but I, I worked the, the steps. And even though I didn't do things um, in all the right uh, ways, at least my heart was there and I was trying. And, uh, and it wasn't me that, that was trying, uh, trying to do it. I was uh, letting him uh, show me the way. And eventually he, he showed me the, the way uh, to uh, where a higher power uh, could uh, lead me and guide me and, and show me what is the next right uh, thing uh, to do. And that higher power has been incredible. Um, you can hear some of my other uh, stories. He has been incredible and has done uh, amazing uh, things as far as showing me uh, why and how uh, the, these obsessions uh, come up and, and what to do uh, about uh, overcoming them. But it's, it all comes down to surrender. You know, it really, it really does. Um, I can't fight uh, the, um, uh, the gorilla. I need someone else to, to go fight the gorilla for me. And so I've got uh, a much bigger, badder uh, gorilla that's uh, telling that, that uh, other gorilla to, uh, to get out of the way. And that's the only way that it works. Um, I need a power that's greater than, than myself uh, to take on that, that, that gorilla and, and that beast. You got any ideas? That's a great question. Um, you know, for me, um, again, yeah, I agree. I don't know when the obsession left. And I want to be very honest and say that it hasn't completely, the thoughts haven't completely gone away. You know, this is, for me, this is something that, um, with the work of, you know, the program and a sponsor and therapist and using my tools and all of those things, I have to, um, I've had to kind of learn to hold hands with my fetish, to be honest with you. And by that, I mean, I don't have an expectation anymore that it's going to go away once and for all and that I'm never going to have those thoughts again. For me today, that's an unrealistic expectation. I think that that happens for some people, and I'm so grateful. That's awesome. It's just not my story. And so um, for me, what keeps the obsession down is when those thoughts come. It's not if. It's when those thoughts come up. I have a tool around it. I make a phone call. You know, like Mark said, I've got a program um, to work around this now that, that gets it out into the light. And when, for me, when things are out in the, into, when things are exposed, the more I am able to practice God's practice, rigorous honesty and shed light on things with another safe human being, um, the more that obsession goes away. And, you know, asking my higher power every day for daily, daily reprieve. And then guess what? The next day I got to ask for it again. I got to use my tools again. Um, you know, and the, yeah, I think that's really all I have to say about that. <laughs> I think I'm done. <laughs> all right. Okay. Since we don't have um, many other uh, questions, um, I can always uh, f- fill the, the time. Oh. I'm sorry. I cannot wait. Go, go ahead. It's a Jewish go ahead. I can Absolutely. Go ahead. I'm suffering from very strong um, Now, when it starts, boil in my head 
your idea or your, the thought of it, I'm too ashamed to call someone because that person will think I'm disgusting. That person will think I'm a crazy idiot, and so on and so on. So the steps to connect, to go to a meeting, to all that, I don't have the guts to do that. What's it? What, what steps? What can I do? What can I do to get rid of that? In order I should be able to work with the tools that the that the program provides. Yeah. All right. So so I'll summarize the the question. Okay. When the the obsession um, uh, uh, comes along. Gosh, I'm going to do a poor job of uh, summarizing your your question. You you, you did a beautiful uh, job, but uh, basically. Um, you know, when, when this obsession comes along and um, I, I can't pick up the phone and, and go uh, call and talk to someone about these crazy uh, thoughts, I just can't. You know, uh, the, the barrier uh, there uh, of doing it is uh, too great and, and too strong. What am I going to do? And another person uh, in, in the audience yelled out, call me. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I would say the same, same thing, you know, go, go ahead and uh, call me. You know, um, there's another hand, you know, uh, of another person. Oh. Actually, my solution is call beforehand. I get in the habit of calling so that when the temptation comes, the barrier is low. I have to have three calls. And just so that the recording can, can hear that, um, you know, another, another person raised his hand and, and said, I called before, for, uh, before the obsession, uh, which is true. Um, you know, getting a sponsor and uh, and calling them and talking to them on a daily basis before there's a crisis, just always uh, talking, um, and, and that that sponsor knows your, your deepest, darkest uh, secret, and you know they're, they're, they're not weirded out by it. The, the funny thing is, as I have gotten on that phone, on that phone and, uh, and talked about some of these uh, weird, uh, dark uh, secrets, usually I'll get a laugh. Oh, well, you, you got to hear the dark, uh, uh, you know, things that go through my head, you know, a type of thing. And then it turns into a contest and I, I don't know who wins, you know, <laughs> you know, a type of thing. But, it, you know, I, I always uh, leave those uh, calls uh, feeling like a human being again. It's like, oh, you know. I guess I'm not that weird. I'm not that far off a person because I have these thoughts or I have this obsession to do these, uh, these things. Um, there are plenty of uh, people uh, within the uh, program uh, that have these, uh, these fetishes and, and these problems. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, something that helped me in the early morning was a meeting, home meeting. Okay, I'm actually a few homeowners, so all my meetings are home. But I not advertised as a fetish meeting because that seems to be a bad thing to do on the internet, all right? <laughs> <laughs> on word about Sunday night at 9.05 p.m. Okay? I don't know if it's run that way currently, but a while ago it was. And so that gave a sort of a larger draw than maybe a particular metropolitan area or a very small town. We're talking about this. Okay, so um, so just so so the recording can can hear, you know, one one person stood up and, and gave uh, his solution. Uh, they actually have uh, those meetings now. They don't advertise it on the internet uh, because that causes uh, problems uh, when you say the word uh, fetishes on uh, on the internet um, and such. Uh, but by word of mouth, they've let, let them know that you know we've got a special meeting at, at such and such a time uh, where we uh, talk about these uh, things um, and, and deal with them. All right. Got another question. If we can have these questions uh, written uh, down so that I um, I don't have to repeat them for uh, for the um, 
for the recording. Uh, but we'll, we'll go ahead and do that since, since we don't have uh, other written questions. Go ahead. In terms of uh, disclosure to a spouse, yeah. how, how much detail or not detail at all would, would, would you say? It seems that your spouse knows everything, but my spouse knows that you know I've had affairs, I've been to massage balls, I've been to hospitals, but my pet is still never know as of now. Yeah, you know, um, the, the question of what and, and how to, uh, to disclose uh, to a spouse um, things. What, what my spouse does not uh, know and, and uh, never will know is the uh, details. You know, like I won't sit there uh, for um, uh, sitting down with my spouse. This will never occur where I sit uh, down for 30, 45 minutes and recount, yeah, um, I think about this and, and you, know, uh, you know, I really uh, uh, wish this w- would occur um, and such. Um, all she needs to know um, is um, I cannot engage in these kind of uh, behaviors. You know, um, I can't um, think uh, this way. I can't uh, do this. She she knows what she needs uh, to know, and, um, and and that's all all she needs to know. Uh, because the the rest of the details, you know, um, you know, she she doesn't need need to know. Um, you know, it, it's on a need to know basis. Do, do you have any other thoughts? I don't. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm John Paul. Uh, this gentleman asked the question, you want to call, but I feel like a piece of crap. All right, call Harvey. <laughs> call Harvey. Okay? That was what they told me. Okay. So, so out in the audience, uh, the, the suggestion uh, was, uh, if you've got a, a problem, call Harvey. And Har- Harvey's a uh, famous uh, personality in, um, in the Nashville area. Um, um, if you uh, want or need to get a hold of uh, someone who uh, is uh, more than comfortable talking about this uh, topic, you can uh, email me at uh, mark, M-A-R-K, dot zero three two five. Uh, we've got this uh, special new gadget uh, tool on, on our uh, smartphones as far as uh, shaking uh, hands uh, to, to connect with people. I will be here um, all weekend, I promise. You can uh, hunt me down uh, uh, wherever, uh, whatever a room. I'm more than happy to do that. But like I have uh, heard and seen um, uh, around this room, there are many, many people willing to uh, get out there and help. By, uh, by, and don't be afraid to come and, uh, and, um, ask us, uh, for, for help. That's how we find a recovery, um, is by being, uh, asked to, um, uh, you know, for help. Uh, because when we have to, uh, look, uh, to explain to another person how, how to recover, we, re- uh, remind ourselves, oh yeah, that's what I, I need to do to stay, uh, recovered. Alrighty. Uh, if there isn't anything else, uh, we will go ahead and, and uh, finish um, uh, uh, this evening. And I think we'll go ahead and uh, finish uh, with the third step of prayer. So we'll take a moment of silence first. Okay, prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Remove from me the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I, I would help. Of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, may I do thy will always. All right. Thanks. Keep coming back, guys.
patience all. <laughs> okay, I haven't done that yet. Here, if we can go down.
I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.